Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show where we discuss the property issues of the day. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by emailing at hello at iProperty.com. Your host today are myself, Brian Fox, and beside me is Carol Tallon. Thank you, Brian. Okay, so we have another busy week ahead and we have a few interesting guests today that might might not be what you would expect. But first, we're going to take a look at some of the big property stories of the last week. So starting with the commercial, the commercial market, Dublin delivered another record year of office investments, according to the Dublin Office Investment Market Analysis published last week. Um, apparently, 2018 was an exceptionally strong year for Ireland's commercial market overall. Um, the the investment turnover across all sectors reached 3.6 billion and offices accounted for more than 40% of this. Also, um, it was revealed last week that Dublin is now Europe's largest data hosting cluster and that's according to the Irish Times quoting a report from Host in Ireland, a strategic global initiative created to increase awareness of the benefits of hosting digital assets here. And uh, they partnered with BitPower, a digital information provider. So Dublin now surpasses London with 25% of the European market. So this particular report showed that there are 53 data centres in operation in the state at the end, or there were 53 data centres in operation um, in the state at the end of 2018. And significantly, more than a billion was spent on data centres just last year. And in fact, this is expected to exceed 1.3 million in 2019. So data centres is definitely a sector the market will be coming back to talk about in the coming months. Um, Also, you might recall regular listeners here will know we've spoken quite a bit about co-living and it appears that the co-living is, it's definitely the housing conversation that isn't going away. The Independent reported yesterday that Dublin is set to see the first wave of co-living accommodation, while the Sunday Business Post reported that two co-living planning applications by Irish providers Bartra and North American provider Node, that both have run into difficulties due to, and they quoted, poor standard and substandard accommodation. Now, you might recall that we we interviewed Rumigo co-founder Ed Burke a few weeks ago about the rising trend of co-living. So again, this is something that we're going to be coming back to time and time again, I imagine. Um, now, over to the housing front. The Independent ran a story before the weekend announcing that the first new luxury homes on the land once owned by RTE were ready to go on sale. But, interestingly... Or, may, or maybe surprisingly, that article has since been removed. So it's unclear what's happening there, but it's actually been removed from the RTE site. Now, people who've been watching the news today might have seen that uh, last night Dublin City Council held a vote and a vote that was put forward by the council's planning committee. Um, they were looking to to allow garden log cabins in the garden. Um, but apparently the, the planning committee in any event were defeated in their motion. And they were defeated 36 to 11. So that's quite convincing. Um, So it now appears that over 175 complaints about planning enforcement of these log cabins have been issued over the past four years or have been made to Dublin City Council. So if this is something you're interested in, head over to the Ripple Shipping Container Facebook page and you will see a selection of comments from people who are not quite happy about this. Also... NIMBY is something that we've spoken about in the context of planning objections and for anybody new to this, NIMBY is the Not In My Backyard Brigade. Um, this approach to objections for proposed new developments and commentators in the media have had quite a field day with this recently. Um, most recently, Ivan Yates, uh, Brenda Power and only yesterday, David McWilliams. They've all been calling this out 
And in fact, they've particularly been going after the political classes for this. Um, and this is particularly topical at the moment now that we know 100 properties and about 800 trees face the wrecking ball in order to make way for Metrolink. David McWilliams actually published a scathing piece in the Irish Times yesterday entitled Contented Classes Could Be the Biggest Threat to the Irish Economy. In it, he wrote that in some established areas, we detect a particular virulent professional Irish strain of nimbyism, which occurs when individual objectors get together to form an objectionist coalition. So that's strong words. Um, and in fact, Cork developer Michael O'Flynn came out this morning to, to actually not just agree with what David McWilliams was saying, but he also went further to suggest that perhaps politicians should be prohibited from objecting to, pl- to housing developments in their area. So he warned that regions will suffer more than the greater Dublin area and that private developers, who he said are still regarded as somewhat toxic, must be part of the solution. But undoubtedly, the biggest story of last week was the launch of the government's policy document on housing options for an ageing population. So last week, the the Ministers of State at the Department of Housing and Health, Damien English and Jim Daly respectively, unveiled the policy which broadly mentioned financial supports designed to encourage those occupying large and underoccupied homes to downsize. Now, the media response has not been overly positive to this with the independent writing, Fine Gael are accused of terrifying older people with home downsizing plans. Now, this headline is perhaps a little unfair. The reality is that we do need to plan and prepare for housing all members of our community and the demographic is unarguably ageing. So we'll be coming back to this story over the next week or so. Some very interesting stories there, Carol. Thanks very much indeed. So our first guest up this week is coming to is uh, David Jelly. He's CEO and founder of Property Bridges. Thanks for coming in, David. Good evening. Thanks for having me. And I tell you, it was interesting because uh, I was reading something about you in the Sunday Independent. I think it was last Sunday in relation to uh, some property bridge news that you had. There was some interesting news in relation to peer-to-peer lending. I believe you're the first doing peer-to-peer lending. Tell us something about that. Well, we're, n- we're not the first peer-to-peer lender in, in Ireland. Um, peer-to-peer lending is is getting quite established. Um, we are um, the first peer-to-peer lender that's focused solely on the property market. Um, um, we're trying to provide finance to small to medium-sized property developers. And how, how does it work in, in terms of, if I, were, if I were to get involved with peer-to-peer um, lending, who do I go to see? Who do I, who do I contact? Well, you can go onto our website, www.propertybridges.com. Um, so we're providing access to the property market for, for, for everyone. So anyone can um, sign up to our site and invest as little as 500 euro in, in different property projects. So we're really trying to provide finance to small to medium-sized developers that have maybe struggled getting property finance over the last number of years. And we're providing access to the property market for for all savers and investors in, in the Irish market. Does it resonate to me of, of crowdsourcing or am I on the right track? It's very similar to, to crowdfunding. Um, so peer-to-peer lending, you might be familiar with, um, with Linked Finance, who've been very successful in the Irish market. So they provide... They provide loans to small to medium-sized businesses, whereas we provide secured loans to property developers. So we take first charge, any property developer that that we would speak to and and we would assess a project, we would take first legal charge over the development site, which adds a layer of security for the investor. And then we would lend up to 70% of loan to gross development value, Mm -hmm. very similar to 
to any assessment that will be done by a traditional lender such as a bank mm-hmm. or an alternative lender. And is this, is this an alternative to banks, obviously? Or could be seen as an alternative to banks? Well, we're, we're of the opinion that there has to be more than one lender in the market. Yeah. Um, so as we saw um, 10 years ago, the market was dominated by banks. Um, we're, we're not there to replace the banks. We're there to provide an alternative. Um, we're, we're focused on projects from 300,000 to 3 million, mm-hmm. whereas the banks might be more comfortable going after the, the larger deals mm-hmm. and the banks might be able to service that market um, more effectively. Where we think with our with our cost base and our agility um, to move um, with regards to the, the smaller projects, that we can better service the small to medium-sized property developer. Okay, yeah. tell us just before, what would, your, what would your, as they say today, your unique selling point be to a, to a potential customer? Uh, <laughs> no interest rates? So we, the, the first two loans that, that we offered to the market, um, we're offering an interest rate of 8.5% to the lender. Um, like, can I just interject there to put that yeah. in a little bit of context? Um, the alternative lenders at the moment are somewhere between 11 and 17 percent. Um, the alternative lenders that for property development that's not qualified under the pillar banks. That's what you're looking at. So, yeah. in fact, eight and a half percent does does um, mean a significant saving yeah. there. Yeah. So we're a two-sided marketplace. So, so on one side, we have small to medium-sized property developers who, who would be our borrowers. So they're coming to us. Um, they might struggle to get finance. So they're coming to us um, for, for development finance. And then on the other side of the market, we have ordinary savers and investors. And we have some institutional investors as well that, that, are, that are interested in, in speaking to us too. Um, but if you look at... For an average, um, an average saver or investor in the market at the minute, um, they're likely to get practically zero interest in a savings account with a bank. So we're providing an alternative um, for them. We're providing eight and a half percent return. It's the the loan is secured against the property, and not only that, um, we're also funding the construction of, of much needed houses. So our first our first project was um, a single house build in, in Dublin, and that's for that will be completed and, and going on on sale to the private market. And our second loan was for six social houses in Kilkenny. So in this day and age, it's it's not really enough um, for a for an, a financial advisor to to give investors a three or four percent return mm-hmm. without it being. Um, socially ex- acceptable so we we very much um provide um a route for investors to to um have a social impact so and, and actually there's another thing there when you mention projects in Kilkenny because one of the things that we are aware that uh, the pillar banks were very slow to lend for development outside of the greater dublin area but actually the alternative lenders um i mentioned there that the range in um in interest rates but actually that range is definitely at the higher end, the further outside the, the greater Dublin area you go. So, in fact, development finance and uh, development finance for the region is a much more urgent problem than it is in Dublin. Yeah, we, we would agree with that. Um, what we're seeing in the market at, at, at the minute, um, the, the viability of some of the larger projects outside the main urban areas, the viability of some of those projects 
um, would come into question. And um, that's where you see a lot of the banks and even the alternative lenders just focusing on urban areas. Outside of those urban areas, we are seeing um, demand for, for social projects. Um, that that seems to be a, a so common theme in the market. Are you approaching it over these social projects, or how do you go about? Well, well, the one in Kilkenny, for example, um, the the county council um, had a contract oh, for, sure. for sale in place with a developer, but they wouldn't fund the construction themselves. Mm-hmm. So we stepped in to provide the construction finance, knowing that there was a county council um, there in the background to to buy the houses. And what was their attitude to you when you when you approached them about? I mean, you're you're not a you wouldn't be that. Are you well known in the business as such as this at this point in time? Or uh, well, we we launched in October. Um, we are trying to um, improve our profile and, and get out to the market. We didn't um, deal with the county council ourselves. We dealt dealt oh, with I a see. developer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. You went through developer. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and on the other side of it, the development community in Ireland is so small that in a very short period of t- period of time, particularly when you got headlines like property bridges to lend over 150 million on housing projects yeah. with uh, that being the lead story in The Independent I would imagine you'll become very well known very quickly and um, David one of the things I'm interested in is you talk about this being a two-sided marketplace which of course it is and we've spoken about the developer and it's very clear what the what the benefits are for the developer but talk to me about your funders So our funders um, we've done some analysis on our funders we've over 1200 people that have signed up their platform to date so we can see there's there's a big appetite um, for the RSC saver and investor to get involved in these property loans. The investors in our loans range from 19 years of age to to, to investors in their in their 70s. And um, both both male and female from all over the country, we're getting a lot of interest from Irish ex- expats as well, mm-hmm. who want to want to get a good return, but also want to have a, a social impact to their investing as well. So as well, like we're trying to provide finance all over the country so people can invest in their local areas and they can see their money at work um, so they can see loans that they've they've lent on they can see the progress of those loans and they get a good return at the end of the day okay and what are the what um, is the period of time that you're guiding each of these investments so it's short-term finance so from six months to 24 months okay yeah. So that obviously minimises the risk for people as well. Um, by the way, just you mentioned there that you've done some work um, profiling who your consumers are. Can mm. you tell us who are they? Do you know age range? Do you know what their professions are, their day job? I mean, are you talking about, uh, uh, I don't know, Joe Soap? Who's who's investing? It, it's a wide range of people. Like we, we do see the age. So for under regulation, we have to take um, some personal information for KYC and ML purposes. Um, so, as I said earlier, we had one 19-year-old person invest and, and we have people in their 70s investing. And we also have a, a couple of companies that have invested. And we're seeing interest from institutional investors. Um, so, it, so, it's a wide range from all over Ireland and, and Irish expats as well. Is this the future of funding property development in Ireland? I, I think it's... I think it's um, going to become a, a part of property finance, an increasing part of property finance. Um, we, we see the success of peer-to-peer lenders for small to medium-sized business loans. In the UK, it's it's a very large market. It's it's regulated in the UK. Um, those loans can be wrapped into peer-to-peer ISIS as well. So there's tax benefits as well to, to invest in those loans. Um, so it's going to become an increasing part of the market. Okay, and yeah. before we wrap up, can you tell me just a few of the projects that you have in your pipeline at the moment? 
So we're um, undergoing legals on, on one project in the South Dublin area at the minute. We're also looking at another social housing project in Munster, um, one in Galway. Um, we're, we're looking at we're looking at a, a range of projects, um, and again, they're ranging from small single house bills to to sixteen unit social projects. So so it's 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 really a range of projects. Very good. David, can you just repeat your contact details there for people? As you mentioned, it is a two-sided um, a two-sided platform there. So just the contact details for people who want to reach out, whether it's looking for development finance or, in fact, 19-year-olds to say, yeah. to, to all ages looking to invest. Yeah, just lo- log on to propertybridges.com. All the information's on the website for both borrowers and lenders. That was uh, David Jelly. CEO and founder of Property Bridges and thanks for coming into us today David Thank you Stay tuned after the break we have Fiacra Morrison who is a clinical hypnotherapist A clinical hypnotherapist Everything's fine on 93.9 Dublin South FM Will you look at them go I wish I had their energy Ah they're good for the soul though aren't they I can't imagine life without Lucky (laughs) but he might outlive me yet (laughs) Well take my advice and sign up for a Dogs Trust Canine Care card It's completely free, and it's given me such peace of mind since I did. What's that? Well, it's simple, really. It means if you pass away before Lucky, Dogs Trust will take him in and give him the care and love he needs until they match him with the perfect forever home. That sounds terrific. How much did you say it costs? It doesn't cost a cent. Great. How do I sign up? Just text CARE to 50100, and they'll call you with more information. Or you can go to dogstrust.ie. Well, that's wonderful advice. I'll do that right away. Here, Lucky. Good boy. Whatever loan you're looking for, wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans, make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union, where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties on your loan. Loans subject to approval, terms and conditions apply. Capital Credit Union Limited, regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Senior Line is a confidential telephone service for older people. Free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're open every day of the year from 10 a.m. till 10 p.m., including Christmas Day and New Year. So it's free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're there if you need someone to talk to and need someone to listen. We're older people too, so we will understand, and we're very good at listening. Did you get the senior line number? It's free phone 1800 80 45 91. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. And you're very welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Brian Fox and Karen Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So our next guest now is Fiacra Morrison, who is a clinical hyp- hypnotherapist. Fiacra, I have to I have to confess to you, I've really I've I've come across therapists, I've come across hypnotists, but never a hypnotherapist. Can you explain what it's all about? Well, to be honest with you, um, a hypnotherapist and a hypnotist, there does very little in the difference. But a hypnotist is what you would t- um, typically see on stage or performing or whatever. Whereas a hypnotherapist um, is is using hypnosis in a therapeutic manner for for for, for the betterment of of a client that would be coming in. And who would come to you as a matter of interest? Well, we <coughs> go ahead. Yeah. Well, we have a, a broad range of, of of people who come along for hypnotherapy, um, ranging from from anxieties. Um, from 
uh, phobias from people who come with depression. Now, while we don't actually deal with depression, we don't actually treat depression, we just work with the symptoms. And just working with those symptoms can alleviate a lot of the stress and the, 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 the problems that people associate with depression. But we have um, so many um, just people who come for sports, um, for sports, for sports performance enhancements. And have you had the Irish team this week? This um, we haven't, weeks? not. Um, I think they, well, once they hear this, they'll, they'll certainly be <laughs> queuing up. <laughs> um, who, who, you know, who's your likely client? Is, is, is it right across the board or, 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 or what? Well, we, we have, we, it's, it's really right across the board from, from, from all social groups, um, from, and we come from from businessmen who who are actually kind of just stressed that they have have um, maybe goals that they want to achieve, just are finding that there's problems with that or they just can't achieve that. We're we're able to to work with them in in reducing um, their I suppose their resistances um, to allow a freer flow of um, of, of creativity. Excellent. Um, Fiacra, I'm delighted that you're here with us today and I think it's worth pointing out for anybody who is just tuning in that yes, indeed, this is Property Matters, the property and construction show. And yes, we do have a clinical hypnotherapist with us and there's a very good reason why we do. Um, Fiacra is joining us because at the moment we're looking at the importance of um, mental health and general well-being within the industry. And in fact, in the UK, it's recognised that mental health issues affect a significant number of the workers in the construction industry. And in fact, one of the health and safety strategy leads from the Construction Industry Training Board there described poor mental health in the construction industry as the silent epidemic, showing how work-related stress um, has actually, uh, work-related stress and depression and anxiety have actually overtaken musculoskeletal disorders as the most reported workplace issue in the sector. But um, more worryingly, uh, the the same report actually showed that in the construction industry, this is a UK study now, um, that in fact uh, 454 construction workers took their own lives in 2016. So this is definitely an issue within this, the industry that needs to be highlighted. Um, here in Ireland, the Construction Industry Federation has highlighted the importance of mental health and general well-being. Um, so in fact, last year and I think the year before for Safety Week, the CIF actually had, I think last year they had Dermot Bannon featuring a number of videos aimed at workers. And in fact, Dermot Bannon said that really in Ireland, with what's happened in the industry and the economy over the past decade, mental well-being is such an important issue. Um, you know, in an office or similar working group environment, people get to know each other and can be well placed to spot if a colleague is behaving differently or going through a hard time. However, on, an, on a construction site particularly, where subcontractors are coming in and out, there's less engagement, fewer opportunities to spot problems. And it's just so important that everybody that everybody actually looks out for colleagues and really for the construction industry, their point was that health and safety applies to mental well-being mm. as well. So in fact, their policy was, um, you know, to really treat this silent demon head on and the, the message is, mind your head. Karen makes some good points there, Fiacre, because... We all know in the crash there, a lot of the construction industry was badly affected by it. And they actually, a lot of the construction people got the blame for the whole thing as well. Mm. So would you be, you know, with what, what Carol has just mentioned there, would you be, would would, would you recognise what, what she's saying there in terms of a lot of construction people coming to you uh, in, in terms of being stressed and depressed in relation to the whole Well, it is it is true that, um, that, that, that <coughs> there is a lot of blame and a lot of responsibility actually taken on by, by, by a lot of the, the industry. Mm. And in that, it's while, while people do 
do do take on that uh, that responsibility, but they don't have an outlet to to let it out, to, to, to be able to pass it on and they take it on and it and it does manifest in in those anxieties, the fears, the depressions and and a lot of other um of the, the, the maybe less well known. But while while they while the the, the 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 focus being on health and safety, it is a part it's one of those sections that has been neglected. Where that mm. mental health and great, uh, it's it's great that over the last few years that it has been talked about a lot more by by all the sports celebrities, by actors, and, and all of that. So sure. it is coming yeah. into people's minds. And actually, there's a couple of different issues here because um, you know one of the one of the thinkings um, behind this being such an issue in the construction industry um, is because the construction industry is still very much a male dominated. Oh, that's my and, exactly, uh, yeah, yeah, and the reach it's got stereotypical uh, image it, to it. Doesn't you know, it? it's stereotypical, <clears throat> but unfortunately, some stereotypes are yeah, such for a reason. Yeah, and yeah. the research is showing us that. Um, 10 people a week in Ireland take their own lives and 8 out of these 10 are men. So the construction industry is 96% male. So we understand that this, you know, it's a sector of the community that, that has over the past decade been very badly affected. But there's another side of this as well. A lot of people in the construction sector are self-employed and people who are self-employed, whether you're male or female, are carrying an additional burden as well. Um, you've got the responsibility not just for um, providing for your families, um, but generally you might be providing to pay wages and have wage bills at the end of that. And that's a massive responsibility. It's a massive strain and it's something that many of our construction sector are doing alongside the day job that they're doing um, mm-hmm. and that causes massive stress. There has to be somewhere for people to take time to take care of themselves and their mental health. Like, um, Fikra, how do you get busy people, male or female, how do you get busy people to stop and take care of themselves so that they can sustain this kind of life? Well, unfortunately, because people are busy and they, they do, as you said, they take on these extra, especially being the, being self-employed, and it's it takes up a huge amount of their time. And... In, in the past, people have said, well, if you're too busy to look after yourself, you're too busy. But the reality is, like, they are looking after their their their, their, their businesses, looking after their employees mm. and uh, keeping them in, in, in employment and looking after their own families. And that time frame is, for, for, for themselves, is very, very small, if at all. Mm-hmm. And there's, it, it does take a discipline. It does take that conscious decision to take that time time aside. Are there any simple techniques? So somebody listening today for the first time and they're just maybe starting to recognise so, something in what you were saying. Are there any very simple techniques that people can employ to make their day a little bit easier on them? Have you any tips or techniques for people just to start to slow down, even if it's only for 60 seconds a day? Well, just um, just, just with the, with mindfulness and um, just being aware of where they where where they are, um, because life just keeps rolling; it it doesn't stop, um, and it does take that conscious effort, um, that conscious decision to take that time aside, that take those five minutes, um, whether it's to have a cup of tea, to have a smoke, or whatever. Now, I'm not uh, promoting smoking, but it's it it does give you that sometimes that time for yourself, and whether it's just to de-stress, whether it's just to take those moments, take a breath of of, of, of air. Absolutely. Um, so, but, but it is just being aware of, of where they're at. And sorry, where is your where is your clinical hypnotherapy practice based? 
Well, we're we're in uh, Dublin too. We're in Fitzwilliam Street, and um, we're we're centrally located, so it's um, so so it's good and handy for for everyone. Fitzwilliam Street's great in for parking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> best street in Dublin too for parking. That's how I that's well, how I measure though. everything. <laughs> but like, I mean, we we like, I mean, we're open um, from morning till um, our last appointment would be eight o'clock. So, and we work week, um, the weekends as well. So we provide the times for. I'm just people. curious curious to ask you, Fiacre. Just curious to know um, what how, what you think uh, in terms of um, mental health um, and how the Irish attitude to it is. I ask you because um, I, I did live in New York for quite quite a number of years and it was a very it was part of their, day, their weekly routine to spend uh, an hour at least with their therapist mm-hmm. every week. Yeah. And uh, it, it did seem like like over the top, you know, that, that most people were doing, not just uh, middle class, but also, you know, a certain amount of, it was going right across the, right across the board. I came back here to Ireland and uh, if you, you know, people would look at you twice if you were, if you use the word therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, now that's that's going back into uh, after nine eleven, uh, those years after nine eleven. I'm just wondering, has the perception of mental health and and therapy and all that changed uh, over the years? Well, it certainly has. Um, and I qualified back in uh, 2004, so it was in that time when when people were looking at you. And Americans, well, yeah, they had a therapist. It was that was just the thing they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but here at that time, there was no chance that you would even if you if you went to a therapist that you would recommend to someone else. So that that, that word of mouth wasn't wasn't a thing. Is but it that now, you wouldn't talk about mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it was admitting that you had a problem. Mm. Um, and I think the, the stereotype for, for us here in Ireland was that you were able to deal with everything. And I okay. think actually for the sector that we're here to talk about today, working across the planning, construction and property industries, I would suggest that there might be a little bit of that still prevailing, that attitude that we can cope with anything. We've we've dealt with the worst. We've coped mm-hmm. with the worst. And there's a just keep going mentality, which, by the way, is what built Ireland and what continues to build Ireland. But it's not the quality of life that we want for people within the sector. You know, we want people to get to a place where they're they're enjoying the work that they do. And uh, mm-hmm. would it be fair to say you can only do that when you are building that quality of life, that you have space and time for yourself, that you're not in a constant state of stress? Yeah, it's, it's um, like when, when you have that quality, when you, when you have that time for yourself, then you can be... Um, more effective, more productive in in every area, both relationship wise and in in, in work and um, in, in everything you do. So that taking that time for yourself is is vital. Yeah. Um, but you know it's not something that we we tend to do. Um, while we're getting more aware of it, where where it is being um, out in the in the public arena, um, we still have we we do have have, have <coughs> excuse me that we still have that. Um, hang up in going and looking for help. Okay. A, dec- a decade and a half on, you know, you've been doing this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Are there trends? Do you, do you notice trends with people coming in? Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot more younger people um, coming in um, from, like, I mean, in, in their early 20s, coming okay. in looking for 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 help at that stage, and I think it's 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 a good testament to the the, the advertising and and, and the, the the when it, when it's been brought out into the public arena um, that these everybody is now being more aware and looking. Not everybody, hmm. there are those who, who who will never be, but at least it's a growing trend now where people are being open, where they are looking for help, where they are speaking, talking to their friends or to professionals, so that they can actually have a, an opportunity to 
to de-stress. Of course, and I, I think there is this growing uh, movement of it's okay not to be okay and not to be okay in any given day isn't a permanent state mm-hmm. and that to be, I suppose, to be cognizant that people have bad days and maybe to to have an awareness of the people that you're working with and around. And I think it was a great point that Dermot Bannon made last year when he said that a, a building site, the activity coming uh, to, to and fro, it doesn't allow for the same kind of, um, I suppose, observation mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you might have if you were in an office environment. So it is something that you know, really, I'm hoping today that as we talk about this, you know, if it if it strikes a chord with anybody um, listening today, that just they reflect on how they're living and they take time to just, just think about it. Can I just, we've got a few minutes we've left. What would um, a patient, should we call it a client, expect uh, while they're under hypnosis? What 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 would they what, what should they expect to come from that? Well, with well, from from, hypnosis really is just um, when when somebody comes in, um, it's really just to to open to make a connection with their, I suppose, with the emotional part of of them, because the emotions are 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 generated at the unconscious level, and as hypnotherapists, we work at that level. So so things that would stress people are are just ways of 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 expression, um, in a sense. But when we can consciously connect with those parts um, then we can actually work with them um, where they're not actually the, the, the big demons that that they they seem to and be. it's effective. It's very effective, yeah. Okay, okay um, yeah, I suppose we're, we're trying to talk across the whole range of um, really mental health right through to general well-being and I, I think it's just important at this point just to say to anybody listening that if any part of today's discussion has struck a chord with you, we would urge you to speak to someone you trust. Um, and just a reminder there that you can call the Samaritans free line. Um, their free phone line is 116-123. That number again is 116-123 or visit Pieta House and there are details there. Also, Pieta House actually has a, um, a number that you can text and you can text the word help for 51444. Just again, that's a reminder that if anybody does feel the need for that, um, that there are resources available. And I, a big part of us having Fiacre in studio with us here today is that we don't want things to get to that stage. Mm-hmm. We want to start dealing with the everyday stresses before they build up and to have people talk about the everyday stresses and deal with them before they build up. So um, just uh, maybe some finishing points from you, Fiacre, just for anybody listening today that wants to do even one or two small things to to, to ch- make change in their life, what can you recommend? Well, just taking taking the time, like, I mean, as a hypnotherapist, I would certainly um, recommend, you know, just experiencing what hypnosis can really do. Um, just just to allow that, just to be a little more in control, a little more relaxed, and but a little more focused as well. Because all of those um, bring you to a greater um, greater awareness of, of where you're at, even um, bringing in that mindfulness um, as well. So so that everybody has the has it has the chance to be able to um, just to de-stress, to undo any distress that might be there. Okay. Thank you so much, Fiacre, for being with us today. And that was Fiacre Morrison, who is a clinical hypnotherapist. Excuse me. After a quick break, we'll be hearing from Ray O'Neill of Sherry Fitzgerald O'Neill in West Cork, and joining us in the studio. Okay, will be David. Well, okay, um, is David David uh, Ray O'Neill of Sherry Fitzgerald O'Neill. <laughs> 
your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. Could you and your dog spend one hour per week bringing special moments to people in care centres? Or would you like one of our volunteer visiting teams to come and visit your care centre? At Irish Therapy Dogs, we have a dedicated interest in the use of pet therapy for people in long-term or daily residential care. A professional organisation aimed at providing a pet therapy service on a national basis. If you with your dog would like to get involved, or if you would like one of our visiting teams to visit your care centre, then please call us on 01544-6198 or visit irishtherapydogs.ie for more information. Do you need a professional looking website or graphics for your company? Does your current website work on all modern devices such as tablets and smartphones? If not, you are losing business. Preamp Digital Media provides a full range of solutions to give your company the edge in today's digital world. Please visit www.preampdigitalmedia.com for all the information you need. That's www.preampdigitalmedia.com I've always provided. That's what I do. Even when the job shut down, I somehow managed. But the pressure chips away at your confidence. I felt alone. I needed to talk things out. I learned Samaritans isn't just for when you hit rock bottom. I'm glad I called. It's always worth getting problems big and not so big off your chest. Call Samaritans. No pressure, no judgment. We're here for you. Anytime, talk to us. Free call 116123 or go to samaritans.ie. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM. And you're very welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Brian Fox and Carol Talon. You can contact us on Twitter at iProperty or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So earlier today, Carol Tallon spoke to Ray O'Neill of Sherry Fitzgerald on how the property market is doing in West Cork. Ray, thank you very much for joining us. I'm delighted to talk to you and to find out what's going on in the property market in West Cork. So tell us, how are things down there with you? In general, the West Cork market is strong. It was affected the initial couple of years by Brexit. Uh, that seems to have leveled off uh, and in the last 12 months we have found a strong interest from uh, UK markets and uh, sterling buyers. Uh, hopefully this trend will continue and uh, in general the rest of the market is, is pretty buoyant. There are a lot of buyers, there's a lot of people interested. Uh, we're lucky in West Cork in that we deal a lot with the international markets and long may it continue. Very good. That's interesting, Ray. So you're saying that actually the effects of Brexit haven't been so pronounced in recent months that you're still getting UK buyers over there? I found it was more pronounced after uh, Brexit came in in that there was a big differential, the big change in the currency differential. Of course. Uh, now it would appear that uh, potential buyers have got used to the new exchange rate and are operating within that system. So they're not they're not trying to hedge their bets by buying property in Ireland at the moment. Some are. Um, I suspect uh, it's a good market. Uh, yes, property might be doing well in Ireland, but. Uh, 
no matter where you go in Ireland, it is very cheap uh, compared to London markets and uh, such markets abroad. Well, of course, that's certainly true. Um, and it's interesting, Ray, you have, you, I suppose, have a, have a ringside seat there to what's happening as the smaller villages and towns start to evolve. So, I mean, the last time I was down in West Cork actually was to visit an innovation hub that had opened and there was amazing, um, remote working initiatives going on. But how are you finding the, the villages and smaller towns down in your area? The smaller towns, uh, the smaller villages, in particular uh, along the coast are very adaptable. Uh, they, they all appear to be thriving in their own particular ways. They are popular. They attract people from all over the world as places to live in. Uh, maybe back from the coast, it's a little tougher. Certainly, of uh, business is not developing in towns like they used to, and the shop is no longer the... the prime spot in the town or the post office or whatever seems there seems to be a big change but in general uh, villages cope well uh, i suppose particularly in skibbereen you have a lot of very strong villages in the immediate vicinity they're all very strong tourist villages and this helps yeah. uh, the ludgate uh, which you mentioned has is proving hugely successful it's bringing young people into the area, and uh, I think the future growth from that could be substantial. Absolutely. And speaking of Ludgate, do you think that's a model that could be replicated, um, not just in West Cork, actually? Is it a model that we're starting to see replicated nationwide? It is a model, and it's a worthwhile model uh, because it's it's encouraging uh, people to set up business outside of Dublin, outside of Cork City. Uh, this is good because the number one, the education is at such a stage that people are, are well educated; they can live in any part of the country. They can connect to anywhere in the world. Uh, so it, it it opens up huge opportunities for towns and villages. It does, but I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there when you talk about connecting. People can only do this if they can connect with the rest of the world. And that's not just for West Cork. That's true for all over Ireland and all over most other countries. So in terms of the rural broadband scheme being pushed back and back, is that something that's affecting your potential buyers and sellers at the moment? Thankfully, uh, West Cork in general is quite good. Good coverage. There's good connectivity right throughout the coast. I suppose that comes from you have a large technology park in Clannacilty, which uh, attracts a lot of business. You have Ludgate and Skipperine, which created its own dynamic. And uh, so connectivity has got into the area uh, pretty well. Um, there's also private enterprise beaming it from the um, the hills and that kind of thing where it needs to happen. So in general, I think it's good and it's not putting off. I I think in other parts of the country, maybe um, there needs a bit of entrepreneurism um, to to create the the. the broadband locally uh, because it seems to work. That's very true and look, um, the spirit of entrepreneurship is, what, is what's needed um, in the urban and in the rural areas. I agree with you 100% on that. Um, it's interesting now that you say that the smaller villages tend to be more adaptable and that they appear to be thriving. Um, 
I, I think maybe West Cork does benefit not just geographically from being a particularly beautiful spot, but as you said, the smaller villages seem to have their own identity that attracts um, not just tourists, but um, businesses and therefore consumers and potential buyers then and people relocating into the area. This idea of a place being branded is something that came up at the um, Urban Development Conference a couple of weeks ago in Dublin. And it seemed to be something that maybe a decade ago wasn't even on our agenda. But now it seems that every town and village and indeed city really needs to brand, to have their own brand and have their own identity. Is that something that maybe West Cork was ahead of the curve, knowing that? I suppose uh, West Cork uh, has always been ahead of the curve. Uh, Maybe it's because West Cork and South Kerry were always uh, connected to Europe, going back over the centuries, connected to Britain, and uh, there was always uh, to and froing. And as a consequence, the areas are probably a little bit more uh, cosmopolitan than maybe other parts of the country in that respect. And uh, everybody who comes to Cla- who comes to West Cork to live, they're all welcome, and it, it's a very open area in which to live, by and large. That's good. That's always a positive, isn't it? Um, Ray, thank you so much for joining us. And certainly we'll be checking back with you maybe over the coming months to see how things go, um, particularly on the Brexit side of it, after the end of the month. And hopefully, hopefully we're not going to start seeing any negative impact there. But Ray O'Neill from Sherry Fitzgerald O'Neill with offices in Skibbereen and Clannacilty, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Everything's fine on 93.9 Dublin South FM. Okay, and that was Ray O'Neill of Sherry Fitzgerald O'Neill. Now, in studio with us, we're joined by John Kennedy, CEO and founder of Four Property. So, John, thank you very much and you're very welcome for joining us today. Thank you. Um, So, today you're going to talk to us about really what constitutes best practice for contemporary estate and letting agents in the prop tech age. So tell us a little bit about what Four Property does. Okay, so we provide systems uh, to about over 200 estate agents around the country. Um, companies that are um, use the software, I guess, to try and streamline and automate and, and control the flow of information um, from you know the buyers and the tenants all the way to issuing statements and coordinating uh, kind of jobs to be done out for the actual um, by contractors. So there's a lot of uh, communication that is going on and, and, and systems help to kind of, I suppose, capture that information and lay it up in a structured way um, put it into lists, I guess, so they can actually see exactly from everything from the um, the rents that are due in to the, the, the maintenance issues that need to be addressed to the BORs that need to be done. Everything effectively goes into lists. And if you can work from lists and then you can order them in the order of priority, the idea is that you... It, 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 by putting the information into a structured way, it comes out structured and which then makes you kind of smarter rather okay. than working harder. And really, that's the only way for contemporary offices to run now. Um, over the past decade, we've seen th- there's definitely been a shift towards a more professional approach to property letting, property management, but also regulation. It's become such a highly regulated area that processes are absolutely essential, um, not just for staff training, but also for continuity of businesses. Um, how long have you been doing this, John? Um, going nearly 20 years now. So um, started out building kind of um, uh, websites. Um, would have built a kind of a rental website, let today, and then uh, kind of that. Um, and then gone on to build many, many kind of estate agents' websites. Um, 
And um, yeah, we've been in the space for quite a while. Okay, but over two decades, you must have seen some significant changes. I mean, just in the last decade alone, um, are you finding trends that maybe offices aren't as fully staffed as they might have been in the past? So automation and processes suddenly become much more important. Absolutely. Like 20 years ago, I, I saw photographs being stapled to brochures in, in, in Windows. Um, people didn't have, you know, a lot of people didn't have mobile phones. Um, of course. You yeah. know, they, they didn't use them. They, they literally, you know, rang to the office and the appointments are made. And, you know, the, the, the retail office or the window was just so important. Whereas now that's, I suppose, the information is now democratised. You can literally access that all on the web. There's there's not as the need for such a, a high street as there was. Um, but everything has changed. Like I mean, you couldn't do it at your mobile phone now. You know, of course. The, the you know the email now is obviously flowing into the phone. The appointments they're synchronising with your diary, and when things are uh, being uh, kind of if people are ringing the office or uh, updating that, um, you know, and shortly with the prop tech uh, innovations, you're gonna you know, you know the the bids are all going to be WhatsApp to you. Um, the you know any communication you have in terms of problems, you're going to have a full history of every single thing that's going on, and that's it's 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 good for everybody because you know there's a lot of labour involved, uh, uh, you know, hassle for the for the tenants and buyers on one side, and and, and a lot of labour for the for the agents so, on so the other a, side. This would be used by the estate agent then. Is that the idea that the that they they use a they use a website? Uh, for from the point, who, who, who's 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 the, who's the best to benefit? Who, who benefits from the service? That I you think provide? everybody benefits because you know, okay, the, the regulations require you that you record all bids, that you you know do so in a structured way, whether it be um, kind of on the uh, regulator's form or actually through a CRM where it stamps when you received it. Um, but you know, when you receive a bid and you have you know eight people wanting to see that property, you you need to communicate that to eight different parties, and then any update to that you need to do again. So the the amount of you know kind of communication could be you know um, significant. Um, so any sort of system that makes both parties kind of happier with that transaction, like my taxi would be a perfect example of that. So oh, supply and demand yeah, yeah. being you know kind of uh, uh, kind of disrupted and in a positive way. You know, there's there's you know more people using it. Um, you know, kind of they're they're in, they're engaging with it more. And 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 I think any sort of uh, platform that helps in that is uh, yeah. should be welcomed by and, both. And I suppose we're looking at this from the point of view of the estate and letting agents. Mm. But of course, for the estate letting agents, at the end of the day, for them, it's all about the best. Um, user experience for the tenants and buyers and sellers. So, I mean, look, we've talked about changing trends in a state agency. I'm fully aware that there's been a change in trends um, for consumers. You know, we're not the most patient of people anymore. We definitely have evolved into this on demand. Uh, we want everything now. We want we expect things to be at our fingertips. People don't wait for office hours. I mean, gone are the days where a buyer is going to wait while an estate agency closes for lunch in order to make their viewings, um, their viewing appointments. So, I mean, are you, are, well, I suppose really are your estate and letting agents talking to you about the changing buyers and sellers and tenants and landlords? Absolutely. Like we, we would integrate with, with many kind of different systems, whether it be um, kind of... Um, Automatic signatures, like e-signatures, uh, sending out kind of leases or sending out uh, documents in terms of the terms and conditions, what they call the letter of engagement. When you know, so they all need to be signed and returned within seven days. They're they're invalid. So you know, there's a lot of automation there. Um, so there's other uh, programs we integrate with Inventory Base for doing inspections. Um, there is um, 
the other um, for document uh, control, planet verify. So there's lots of kind of programs that we integrate and, you know, there's no revenue for us in integrating. It's just about making, I suppose, a better experience for our customers and their engagement with their customers. Yeah, that's an interesting one, actually, because one of the things that we encourage um, every week, we have a prop tech company in here. And a lot of times they're startups. Some of them are consumer led, so they might not have come from the industry. And one of the things over the last number of years and working with prop tech companies we've tried to do is get them to work together, collaborate, plug in to the front or, end, uh, front or back end of somebody else's to actually, you know, collaborate with people where there's synergy there. Um, because actually what we need to do is create a very frictionless property transaction. And that's something we just haven't had in the past before. No, there's there's big delays in, you know, um, in, in selling a property. Like there is the time it's advertised, then the offers come in and, and somebody then is obviously the, the winner of the, of the big in terms of the offer being accepted. Then it goes into the conveyancing, which the agent sometimes has no control over whether it actually then closes. Um, and things can go on quite a long time uh, sometimes. So look, there've been kind of a lot of talk and, and about you know kind of automating or streamlining that part of the transaction as well, which would make everybody happier as well and greater you, transparency. Yeah, you just said John that you 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 started twenty years ago. Yeah, as, before, as a child, clearly. So, so that yeah, was before we, the whole iPhone or the, the well, the, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, you start, I mean, it took off then, didn't it? Well, because it, I mean, originally I did a, a, a kind of a website called findahome.ie, and it literally was focusing purely on the uh, or focusing on the university off-campus accommodation lists. Okay. And the idea being is we we're going to kind of I suppose grow in, in into the into the different markets of then or whatever. So. Um, it's still there on the sh- uh, kind of work it away um, and you know but I so, suppose Daft Sarah, and my home are very very successful as well Actually John I haven't heard of that one I, I was familiar with um, let.ie but I, I've never heard so find a home was .ie your original was your, website yes. and it was for students to find accommodation off campus Yes Excellent. So what do you make of student accommodation today where, you know, people are talking about up to 1,850 euros per month for student accommodation with gyms and balconies and pool tables? Well, compared to the digs that it was, uh, you know, years ago, it was the, the local um, person who's looking to supplement income in the local area. Yeah. Um, you know, there was all sorts of stipulations. They could only be there five nights and they would or would not get food. And this is the, uh, yeah. you know, things have kind of come on a good bit. And, and, and you know. So. Um, Actually, back then, I presume that's a little bit of a two-sided marketplace as well, that you would have had to not just, I mean, I'm sure it was easy to get the students who were, you know, getting access to computers in the library to sign up. But how did you get, how did you find the spaces and for people who had rooms with their home? It was done through the accommodation officers in the university. So it was actually kind of, they would um, write out to all the community and take in the actual, and then it would be password controlled and actually in the access of actually to those lists because they wanted to protect that. They didn't want people, one, one, they wanted to verify it and two, they wanted to protect it in regards not have other people ringing them or, or kind of, yeah, okay, so so you you've seen the whole sphere of this. So John, tell me where where do you see the future of property portals like that going? Um, oh, difficult question. Well, well actually, I was it, it, on, on the other side must, of it. You you can't give a wrong answer. I I, I yeah, it's um must be very competitive at this point in time. If if you're twenty, you're, you're a veteran in it now. At this point, I'd say. Yeah, I suppose. Constantly innovating as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, Linux was uh, kind of demands and what people want out of, out of technology as well. Um, I, I think it would be fair to say because John mightn't say it that um, John does run one of probably the most innovative uh, companies servicing the real estate market at the moment in Ireland. Thank you. 
Well, I mean, that that's the reality. Objectively speaking, you have been innovating to, to bring uh, a whole generation of estate and letting agents on and the, the the situation at the moment is that the consumers are ready they want everything frictionless and convenient it's trying to convince the estate agents and the letting agents that actually now is the time yeah no I, I kind of laughed uh, somebody said to me the other day about a business card being so retro business uh, card yeah, yeah that they just <laughs> laugh at you that you, if you have one like in regards <laughs> yes, that indeed, yeah. you, you're, you're kind of one of those the previous generation having one <laughs> very good John will you just remind our estate and letting agents listening in today who have yet to embrace technology how they okay. can contact you so we're uh, based in Nova UCD um, down the road um, we provide the Acquaint CRM solution for um, uh, for estate agents and we have a new product called IPI launching now next month can uh, you sp- sorry can you just spell that the new product IPPI and that was John Thank Kennedy, you. founder and CEO of Up4 Property. And that's it from us today. Thank you for joining us on Property Matters. OK. And next week, we'll be talking about innovative solutions to planning in the city. So we want to know, um, really, we want you to get in touch. Tell us what you'd like to hear and where your feelings are in terms of planning in the city. So our details again are hello at iPropertyRadio.com. And we want to thank all our guests for being on the show with us today. Danny Hickey was on sound, Katie Tolland produced. We're back at the same time next week, so stay tuned for Bowl of Soul, which is coming up next. But from Carol and myself, Brian Fox, goodbye. Thank you. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM.